always fun to listen to you guys try to time that out. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you on this uh, little bit wet December morning. But hey, it's uh, December. It could be snow. Many of you are disappointed that it's not. <clears throat> but uh, most of us are like content. I can handle 45 degree rain in the middle of December. Not a problem. I know it's coming. I know. But uh, if the weatherman is halfway right, you don't have a white Christmas to look forward to. Now, that is disappointing, but that's just the way it is. All right. Uh, if you are visiting for the first time, please stop by the Welcome Center and let us uh, welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, QR code, if you can scan that in, let us know that you're out there listening and watching. That is an encouragement to our hearts. We always like to hear about that. Tonight at 6 o'clock is the Then Jesus Came Cantata. Uh, there's a play and, and music together. Invite somebody to come with you. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock right after the service. We'll move over to the other side of the building and uh, we'll share with whatever snacks you bring in for us to share. Uh, I'm making some of my mom's famous hot chocolate and uh, it is good. It's not good for you, but it is good. It's cocoa and sugar, a little bit of vanilla, whole milk. Mm, it's good. But anyway... Uh, that's tonight, we'll uh, sing some Christmas carols and just enjoy that. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We will have one morning service, no Sunday school. The service time changes to 10 o'clock, one morning service at 10 o'clock, one evening service, and our evening service is just like our normal uh, church-wide evening service here, uh, or uh, Christmas Eve service, in which uh, if you've signed up or had someone sign you up to sing or play something, uh, we'll intersperse that with scripture, and uh, it's just a wonderful time of just getting to hear our kids and our grandkids and whoever else that you've volunteered to uh, sing and play for us, and we're always looking forward to those things. Uh, then we have the IFBF men's meeting coming up on January the 13th. We will leave here at 7.30 if you want to ride together. We kind of need to know what to plan for so we know how to plan for vehicles. Typically, we're able to all fit into the 15-passenger van. I think last year we had about uh, 12 of us went up or so like that. Uh, it's kind of an all-day event. They'll feed us lunch there. It's 9 to 2 o'clock. We'll get back here about 3.30 or uh, so, and uh, it's a great time. If you've never been, you need to come, guys. It's for teenage guys on up. Uh, it's just a great time, so uh, we invite you to come out. And a friendly reminder, please check your mailboxes. It's that time of year that almost everybody has something in their mailbox. Uh, if you did not know you have a mailbox, you do, uh, right outside that door to the right and that way. If you don't have one, you have two options. You can get offended and say, I don't have a mailbox. Or you can just tell us, I don't have a mailbox, and we'll try to make sure that we uh, find a place to put your mail, all right? So that's good, but everybody needs to go and check. Now, as soon as the service is over, if everybody goes and does that, it's going to be a log jam out there, but uh, if you just be patient, you can all get there, right? And then our missionaries of the week of the Slobodians. Let me read to you a little story they have in here. Um, Sergei Koop uh, was three years old when his mother was killed in an automobile accident. His father was the driver, and his father has uh, subsequently went to prison. So three-year-old Sergei and his sister went to live with family. Uh, then after his dad got out of prison a couple years later, uh, he remarried, uh, and uh, the second wife didn't care too much for the uh, new kids. They had kids of their own together. And so uh, eventually Sergey went back to live with his grandmother. Uh, he and his sister did. But more, most importantly, she took them to church regularly. Uh, then, as uh, he was passed around to different relatives, finally he comes back to land on Dad's door, and Dad's rule was, while he was cruel... Uh, you can go two places. You can go to school or church. So he spent time at church virtually every day. And uh, during that time, he came to know, he knew nothing about church, but the preacher always said, God loves you, and he did not understand that, had a lot of questions, but through that came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, and now is living for the Lord there in uh, one of the Russian countries. So uh, just pray for those folks over there as uh, BIEM is uh, reaching out to them. All right. Let's have the men come. We'll take up uh, the morning offering. Good to have everybody here. If you're uh, over on the other side, good to have you with us today. I want to welcome you officially. Brother Tim, would you ask God's blessing on the offering and uh, also please on uh, the uh, Slobodians. 
Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege of gathering around your word. We thank you for the work that the Slobodians are doing and uh, the old Soviet Union and Russia and Ukraine in particular. And just ask now that uh, you might encourage our brothers and sisters there in Ukraine. And we thank you for the good reports that are coming from the churches there. And we thank you for Sergey and the report this morning and how you have worked in his life and his salvation. And just ask that you might continue to help him grow and uh, be a light there in uh, the land that you have called him to. And we just ask now that you might take our offerings, use them to further your gospel around the world. In your name, amen. Brett, you can come on up. I forgot to mention, though, uh, so I want to do this. We, it's good to have our two newest ones here. So uh, little Quinn is over here in this corner someplace, and uh, down here is little Claire. Congratulations, moms and dads. We're happy for you. And it's good to have our college students back with us. So come on. All right, go ahead and stand with me. We're going to sing Angels from the Realms of Glory. We'll sing three verses of this song, page 108 in your hymnal.
great seeing. You may be seated. At this time, we'll have the children's choir. So, uh, I'm sorry about that. So, these folks would like to tell you how much they appreciate you letting them work with their kids. And, uh, and so, it's been a joy at the end of the year again. So, the year coming up. So, they're going to sing for you. And I think they have a little special thing to sing for you as well. So, uh, we'll let them take it from here.
children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. May the Lord prosper his word, for to be sent it may stand. Hear me? Okay, perfect. Sorry for those online and those in the other room. We forgot to grab a mic, so hopefully you can read. It was on your screen. So uh, we're going to sing three verses of While Shepherds Watch Their Flock. While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and glory as we sing O Little Town of Bethlehem we'll do three verses of this as well Magi fell before his majesty. 
on that last. Behold the King for all eternity, enthroned on high in total sovereignty. He entertains no rival to His crown. The world is His, all praise to Him resounds. So we
your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9. I think I'll just sit here, make myself comfortable. You guys are laughing like it's a bad thing. Oh, all right, I won't do that. Channel, no, I can't sit still that long. It doesn't work that way. So, Isaiah chapter 9. So next Sunday night, just so you know, I see a lot of uh, youngsters here today, which is great. So, you know, you can volunteer anybody. It doesn't matter if they come to church here on a regular basis. We, uh, we'll let anybody participate who wants to sing, play, do something. So it's just a lot of fun. It's, uh, if I try to liken it to it's our, our church family gathering around the piano and just singing praise to the Lord and, and uh, sharing things. So uh, it's just a wonderful time. I think that uh, the way we ought to celebrate Christmas is with joy, right? Great joy. I just think that that's the way Christmas is intended to be celebrated. And I think we ought to be showing our kids that great joy as well. So we just try to make the most of it and enjoy it together. So tonight we have the, uh, the cantata, afterwards the sing-along, then next Sunday night is our uh, church gathering. Just always a good time. So Isaiah chapter 9, you probably already know where we're going, verse 6. Uh, and 7 is a famous passage of scripture for Christmas time. Let's read uh, verse 6 and jump into this part. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Father, we ask that you would just meet with us today. God, as we look at this passage of scripture, may we see your son and all and much of what he's intended to be for us. And we just pray that you would draw us to him, to yourself, uh, through all of this. Uh, help us to lift him up and glorify him. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at this passage of scripture. It's an Old Testament passage, but it sounds very New Testament-ish, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then it begins a list of things. I just want to kind of walk through this list. It's not an all-inclusive list. Jesus is a part of the Godhead, right? You cannot contain him to any thought or concept or anything like that, right? He's, he's a part of the Godhead. He is eternal. He is infinite, which means he's infinitely greater than you and I. I honestly, uh, I know that it's been said, but it is worth repeating uh, the difference between us and God is even more than the difference between us and an ant. Do you understand? When an ant looks at us, an ant doesn't say, oh, look, there's a human. The ant looks at us and says, what is that? You understand? Because the comprehension is not there. And that's us with God. We cannot begin to comprehend God. And Jesus is a part of the Godhead. We're not going to sum everything up about Jesus. But God, in this passage, has chosen to give us some criteria upon which to imagine, to think about what Jesus is for us. And so we're going to look at that. The first thing says, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Please notice something. What is after the word wonderful? A comma. Often you hear it said, wonderful counselor, and he is a wonderful counselor. But he is wonderful and counselor separate. Do you understand? 
uh, if there's a reason why there is a comma there. His name should be called Wonderful. And in this concept of his being wonderful, I want you to just, now, now you just have to kind of let your mind wander for a moment, right? You've got to think about it, because I can't give you the exhaustive list, even for uh, a short exhaustive list for us, right? He's our Savior. He's our friend. His character is wonderful. Uh, in, the, in the definition of this word wonderful in the Hebrew, you have definitions like this. It is a marvelous thing. A marvelous thing. Remarkable. Qualities that are distinguished. And I like this last one. Miraculous. That's this concept. Jesus is wonderful. So when you get to the New Testament and you see this wonderful Jesus, here's the kind of things that come to mind for me. This is just the way my mind works, all right? Matthew chapter 8 says this. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the seas obey him? Remember what happened? Remember they were going over in the boat? Jesus was asleep, and the, the storm is coming like crazy, and they come running to Jesus. They say, Jesus, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus gets up and says, Oh, ye little faith. And he looks out across the sea, and he says, Peace, be still. And everything stops. And the men marveled that this Jesus could be so miraculous as that even the winds and the seas obey his voice. This wonderful child that is born unto us is miraculous. This wonderful child is a great, wonderful character. This is the character of God. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is... Another story is happening, right? So there's this man who's sick of the palsy. How did he get there? He's carried there, right? By four men, lowered down to the roof, sick of the palsy. And here's what... Here's what Jesus says, you know, take your bed and walk. And they're like, no, first before he says that, he says this. Remember what he says? Thy sins be forgiven thee. And they begin to mock Jesus for it in their minds. And Jesus says, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And the multitude saw it. They marveled and glorified God. Because the Savior that had come to them was wonderful. The Savior that is born unto us, the Savior that has stepped into your life and into your home, is a wonderful Savior. Miraculous. Powerful. Do we know Him in His wonder? I wonder about this. Are we, how, how, how often do we marvel at what Jesus is doing? Do our kids know that we marvel at what Jesus has done for us? Sometimes it's really obvious, right? I mean, sometimes it's just so apparent that God has stepped in and done something. You know, I, I, I was not raised in a household with alcoholic parents, and I was not raised in a household where I, I was beaten and mistreated. Uh, I wasn't raised going to church, but I wasn't raised, you know, in that kind of household. And so... You know, when Christ stepped in, it may not have been so as obviously apparent as it is to some people when Christ steps in. But the reality is the same wonderful Savior that stepped into the alcoholic's home stepped into my home. And there are some wonderful things that God did, right? Because my mom and dad had separated, divorced, and then 15 years, 17 years later came back together and remarried and lived for the Lord till the day they died. What a glorious thing. And because my mom and dad had divorced, uh, my, my siblings, uh, you know, they're, they're, we were all struggling in our spiritual walk because we weren't raised in, a, in, in going to church. We had stopped going to church years earlier when I was about four or three, and we had stopped going to church. But I got saved. My sister got saved. My brother got saved. My, sister, my other sister, you know, who claimed to be an agnostic, started coming around, and so... So yesterday, when we celebrated, how many of you already celebrated at least one Christmas? You've already celebrated at least one of your family Christmases. Oh, there's a few of us out there. So yesterday, we celebrated Christmas with my family. And it is so much more fun to celebrate when you're fellowshipping. It changes everything. I mean, I loved Christmas when I was 16. But man, there's just something about fellowshipping 
with the family. That's just a joy. And um, we've been able to watch God being a wonderful God that he is, stepping into our homes and changing things. And we marvel. We marvel at what God has done. In Matthew chapter 9, when the devil was cast out of him, the dumb spake and the, the multitude marveled, saying, it's never been this way in Israel before. Never been so, so seen in Israel. Wow. Can you think about that? We've never known it in our family to be like this. I, I remember when it started happening. And when, when, when we first started getting saved and right with God, it kind of blew everything up, right? I mean, people, some people loved it in the family and some people despised it. And it was just, it was that. But then when my mom got right with God, things began to really happen. And when mom and dad got back together, things began to really happen. And then when mom died, we stood around her bed as a family and held hands and sang hymns together. Wow. Who'd have ever thought that was going to happen when I was 13? Who'd have ever thought we'd see that? take place. But you know what? We have a wonderful Savior who does things that we marvel at and it's never been so seen. Our kids and our grandkids need to know, folks. They need to know the kind of God that we have. We need to point out to them just how wonderful He is. Because it's not by accident that we're able to say these things, right? Matthew chapter 21. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is this fig tree withered away? Do you remember that story? Jesus one day... By the way, do you think that Jesus was just irritated at the fig tree? Ah, he has a wonderful character, right? Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? So that the next day, when the disciples passed by it, they could say, Master, look! The fig tree! It's withered away! And Jesus said what? Do you remember? Jesus said, one day, you look at this mountain, and you'll say, mountain, be moved. And the mountain will be moved. He was teaching us something. Because we have an awesome, wonderful Savior who can do above and, not just above, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the Savior that we have. For unto us is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And that Savior is wonderful. Isn't it amazing how it starts the same way for unto you is born this day? He's not only a wonderful Savior, but he's a counselor. Now listen to the definitions of this counselor. An advisor, a deliberator, a resolver. I like that word, a result. He fixes things. A consultant, a divisor. A guide. And then I like this one. One worthy to be heard. Hey, listen up. You know what God in heaven said one day? Matthew chapter 17. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice out of the cloud which said. You know what it says? Finish it. Not that one. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. I like that. You know what? We have a Savior who is worthy to be heard. He is a counselor. His counsel is worth listening to. Hey, listen. Have you ever had advice from the Bible that didn't make sense, teenager? Have you ever read the Bible and was like, "I I know what it says. But that doesn't make any sense. You ever had that? Let me ask you something. Is he worth listening to? 100% of the time. Right? He doesn't have to make sense to us any more than we have to make sense to the ant. But I think we know better than the ant. And I think God knows better than us. We need to listen to him. And sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Here's what he says. Give, and it should be given unto you. Right? The idea of 
Getting is not keeping, it's giving. Give, and it should be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. It's, it doesn't make sense. God's economy is upside down. You know, the world says, if somebody hits you, hit them back. And Jesus said, if somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. Let them hit that one too. And here's an amazing thing. Because people say, well, and then after that, all bets are off. No, 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 no. That's not the way this works. You always have another cheek. Turn the other cheek. Oh, now, turn the other cheek. Oh, now, turn the other cheek. Oh, You know why? Because here's what the Bible says. It doesn't make sense. How do you overcome evil? With good. That's what the Bible says. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them which use you. This is what we're... God's economy doesn't make sense, but we have a counselor who is worthy of our listening. He knows better. He knows more than us. Guess what? He knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and so what you do today matters. Listen. He's trying to get us to the right place so that tomorrow isn't devastating. Listen. We have a counselor who's worthy to be heard. Then he goes on. The mighty God. Definitions. Champion. Chief. Giant. Mighty one. Strong. Valiant. And I like this one. Heroic. Those are the definitions of this. Mighty. This term mighty. He is God, but he's not just God. He's mighty God. He's heroic God. He's the chief God, the champion God, the giant God, the strong God, the valiant God. This is the one that is born unto us. We celebrate this time of year because unto us is born this, this valiant, heroic one who literally will walk into the jaws of death, face sin, death, hell, and the grave, and give us victory over them. That's the God that we're talking about. Unto us is born this mighty God. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise up and walk? So earlier he was like, I'm going to forgive this guy of his sins. Now he says, rise up and walk. Think about this. This is the God that we have. He's heroic. He steps into, remember the, the blind men that were uh, over on the side and they kept, they kept crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. And what were the disciples doing? Shut up, be quiet, leave the master alone. Leave him alone. Jesus stops and says, bring them here. What would you that I do unto you? Lord, that we may have our sight. Wow. Remember the guy that comes up and says, Lord, if you will, I know that you can take away my leprosy. Jesus, I will be thou clean. Because we have a God who is heroic as he steps into our lives. He does incredible things as he steps in. And he comes in with great power. He comes in as the almighty one. He comes in knowing that he can bring victory to us. And he offers it to us. He is the mighty God. He's not just anyone. Do you remember, you know, the, um, the woman that's... He, he is the, he's the hero, right? Jesus is the great hero. So the woman's brought to Jesus being caught in adultery, right? Jesus bends down, writes on the ground. Everybody leaves. He looks up. There's the woman. He says, woman, where are thine accusers? No man accuses me, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Go. And sin no more. Because he is that kind of a savior. Unto us is born a wonderful counselor, mighty God, this heroic, all-powerful, almighty being has come to us at this Christmas time. What a joy it is to have. Remember when they, in uh, Luke chapter... I think it's Luke chapter 17. But anyway, remember when the, they're trying to bring the kids to Jesus? What did the disciples do again? 
He can't be bothered by your little kids. Remember what Jesus does? Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He's the great hero of the scripture. He is that awesome God that steps in with power and authority and does what only that God can do. He's the mighty God. That's the one that was born. This is why we stop everything that we're... It, it amazes, doesn't it amaze you? That literally the whole world, Satan worshipers, stop on December 25th in recognition of one who was born. The world stops. Muslims, Buddhists, everybody stops. It's an amazing thing to me that the whole world is bought into the concept, right? I know that they're not all doing it for the right reasons. I know that. But it's an amazing thing that everybody stops because this is what's born into us. It is huge. And if you and I can't, if, if, if they're stopping, we ought, to be, we ought to be way over the top. Would you agree? Amen. And listen, I'm challenged because I love all the things about Christmas. I love decorating. I love the eating. I love, uh, you know, the songs. And I love the kids. And I love the wrapping and the unwrapping. I love all of that. But if we're not careful, we forget. We. We who know him as the wonderful, the counselor, we forget what we're doing this for. Let's make sure that this year our kids and our grandkids know why we're here. And it's not just to open gifts, right? It's not, Grandma, let us open gifts. Can we open gifts? Can we open gifts? Can we open gifts? When we look them in the eye and say, not until we have recognized Jesus. Because there's, there's a reason we're here. And it's a wonderful reason that we're here. So we have kids. Remember the thief on the cross, by the way? You talk about being a hero. Jesus steps in in heroic fashion. As the thief on the cross is dying, he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And Jesus says, This day shall you be with me in paradise. Remember Zacchaeus, who's trying his best to try to see Jesus and try to see Jesus, and everybody keeps getting in his way and finally climbs up a tree, and they come walking by, and Jesus stops. Have you ever noticed how many times Jesus stops when everybody else is not paying any attention? We just talked about the blind man. We just talked about the kids. We, we've talked about the woman at the well. well. Not today, but in the past. And now here he is. He stopped. And I, think, I wonder if everybody's thinking, what is he stopping for? And Jesus looks up in the tree. And there is the guy that everybody on the ground but Jesus hates. Because Zacchaeus is a tax collector. It's worse. He's a Jew collecting taxes for the Romans. He's like a traitor to the, to the nation. That's why the publicans were so hated. They were Jews who had kind of switched sides. And they're out there doing the dirty work for the enemy. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go to your house today. Why? Because today salvation is come to your house. Wow. It, it amazes me how often Jesus stops when everybody else would have just passed right on by. Everybody else. Just, you know, in, in the story that Jesus tells, Jesus would have been the good Samaritan, right? He would have stopped when everyone else passed by on the other side. That's the point. Uh, he is the great hero that steps in. He's not only wonderful, counselor, mighty God, he is also the everlasting Father. And this is an amazing thing, this everlasting Father. Now, the Father is that he is that principal person, that key one, that, you know, the prime, the chief, whatever you fill it in, that's the definition, that Father. But the everlasting part being added to that is important. And, and uh, one of the... One of the um, I can't remember now, to be honest with you, which uh, book I read it in, but uh, one of the, the, what's the word, I'm commentary said this, the Messiah will not, as must be the ease with an earthly king, however excellent they are, leave his people destitute after a short reign. Unlike the earthly king, right? Whenever, oh, wow, this is great. He's a great president. Everything's going great. Remember? Remember the Ronald Reagan days? Oh, it's great. This is fantastic. Short-lived. At best, short-lived, 
right? Here we are now. But you know what? Jesus is not that kind of... He's an everlasting Father. So he says, He will not leave his people destitute after a short reign, but will rule over them and bless them forever. He's the everlasting Father. So the Bible says things like this, because it can. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Never. He's the everlasting Father. The Bible says things like this, because it can. Ephesians chapter 1. In whom also ye trusted after ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. It's not over here. This is the beginning, not the end. You think it's good now? You think, remember what, what it was before you knew Jesus and how much better it is now? You think it's good now? Just hold on, Christian. I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man what God has in store. And the Bible can say things like that because he's the everlasting Father. This isn't temporary. This is permanent. He's the everlasting. Unto us is born this kind of a Savior. In Jude chapter 24, or Jude verse 24, it says this, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You know why you can say that? Because it's not temporary. See, you don't know the things that I've done, Pastor John. I don't. You're right. But I know the things that I've done. <laughs> and praise the Lord, I'm not in the business of keeping myself. I didn't save myself, and I don't keep myself unto him who is able to keep me. He saved me, he keeps me, and one day he presents me faultless to the Father. Why? Because he's an everlasting Savior. He's there for the long haul. Who? First Peter chapter 1 says this, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, everlasting. This is why we celebrate. And then the last title that he's given in this passage is Prince of Peace. A prince is a head person, captain, chief, general, governor, keeper, lord, master, ruler. All of these are definitions from this. Of his administration, uh, his administration would be to restore and perpetuate, what do you think? He's the prince of? To restore and perpetuate peace. So not only does he give us peace, he perpetuates it. So not only is it... So here's why, by the way, Jesus could sleep when the storm was going. Because the storm didn't take his peace away. And that's the peace he's offering you and I. He doesn't offer the absence of a storm, necessarily. He offers peace in the midst of it. Perpetual. It doesn't go away depending on our circumstances. He is the prince of peace. He's in control of peace. He's over. He's in charge of peace. That's why the Bible can say things like this. He's the Lord. He's the prince. That every, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's why Jesus, as the prince of peace, could say this in John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. This isn't the temporary peace that the world has to offer. Here, take an anxiety pill. If you're on an anxiety pill, I'm not trying, this isn't a criticism, you know, but I am telling you that God offers us something that's so much better. Do you understand? You're not going to be taking pills in heaven to have peace because that's not where our peace comes from. Our peace comes from Jesus. We need to figure this out. He's the Prince of Peace. And so that's why Jesus could literally say, I'm going to give you peace. Not as the world giveth. Not that kind, but I give it to you. So let not your heart be troubled. Be not afraid. He rose up in Mark chapter 4, rebuked the winds, said, peace be still. You might know what the rest of that verse says. The wind ceased and there was... You can read, very good. There was a great calm. I like that. There was a great, not just calm, 
There was a great calm. You ever had one of those? You ever had been in the middle of a storm, and all of a sudden it's as if God spoke, peace be still. And there's a great calm. And people are looking at you thinking, you're nuts. How can you be going through this and have this? Well, because there's a great calm when Jesus, when the Prince of Peace steps in. It changes things. In John chapter 16, these things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the God who was born unto us. That's the Savior who is coming to us. We celebrate this Christmas time because unto us is born. Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Do you know Him to be these things? If not, can I introduce Him to you today? What a great Savior we have. Who loves you so much that He left heaven's glory, to come to this world to suffer and die for our sins that we might have all of the things we've spoken of. And he offers them to anyone who will believe upon him. Heads out, I close. Oh, Christmas is such a great time for us to just, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, to, to point our families to Jesus. It's a great time. And as we're pointing them to Jesus, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But don't just point them to the manger. It's more than just this. Don't just point them to the shepherds. Because unto us is born. Unto us a son is given. And that child, that son, is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Pastor John, I'm not certain that I've ever trusted Jesus Christ. You're talking about all these things that Jesus does as he steps into our lives, but Pastor, I, I don't think that I know those. And I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can just pray for you? I just want to pray for you. Then Christian, let me ask you, are we elevating Jesus this holiday? Do we elevate candy canes and stockings more than we elevate our Savior? I love all the trappings of Christmas. I do. I love it. I I love the fact that for a month the whole world goes nuts about Jesus. They may not know it's about Jesus, but it is. And I love that. But our kids need to see more than tinsel. They need to see the Savior that was born unto us. Let's raise him up this year. Father, show us yourself afresh and new. Thank you for sending your Son. Lord, help us to see him properly, to recognize just who was born unto us, just who this child that was given is, and help us to bow the knee today. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Let's stand. We're going to sing only one life to offer as we sing together. The altar is open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way, would you? Only one life to offer. Jesus, my Lord and King. Only one tongue to appreciate your kind attention today, and I see Brother Todd's coming with a microphone. You going to preach a second sermon? You know what this is about. All right. Miss Mel, if you would come up. Uh, Brett, if you'll come on over.
I didn't see Janelle, so I'm assuming she's going to miss out. David, why don't you come on up with us as well? So it's our time of uh, time of year. Represent our uh, uh, pastors and how much uh, we love them and and uh, appreciate them, all the hard work they put in. Um, been quite a roller coaster ride this year uh, for the uh, for the church. Uh, for every, a lot of you in there. Uh, well, you know. The year didn't start off too well, you know. Uh, Klingman's, uh, what a what a ride that was, um, you know. And then uh, of course Andrew leaving, and oh my goodness, you know, cancers and all kinds of stuff. And the pastors always Air Force, uh, our pastoral staff does such a great job. And uh, so I just want to show appreciation to you, you know, as your one of your favorite lines, you know, at TNT was, uh, you know, now you got enough money for you know, twinking a Coke. Uh, so, so anyway, uh, so here's your twinking a Coke. Um, I've always done this wrong. Uh, I always get, I always get in trouble. So, so there you so I'm, 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 I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, Janelle, wherever you're at, you missed out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we love you. Um, um, and, uh, we just thank you so much, uh, uh, for the staff that we have and uh, how you represent us and and uh, how you serve us here. And it's just, uh, we're just very, very fortunate and we appreciate it. We love you guys. Amen. Okay. goes without saying how much we love you guys. And uh, I'd say it all the time, even when you're not around, believe it or not. But if uh, if every church was like this one, there'd be a lot more, pra- lot more pastors. This, this is, you guys make it easy to do our jobs, and we appreciate it so much. All right, 6 o'clock tonight, Cantata. Be back for that. Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face shine up. I'll give you peace. Love you all. God bless. Here's the-